Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Welcome, everyone, to our program today. On the show, we've got Tristan White from the Physio Company, named Australia's best place to work 10 years in a row. And he'll be here to talk about workplace culture. And I've got some thoughts on three power habits for CEOs. That's all coming up on the Better Than Before show. And we'll begin with our guest, Tristan White, right after I tell you that Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. We fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester. Over the years, we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us. We always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us. That's why we chose a car we knew would be there for us through it all. Welcome to the all-new 2019 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. Test drive one today at University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. My special guest today is Tristan White. He's the founder and CEO of The Physio Company, a unique healthcare business that ranked number one on BRW's list of Australia's 50 best places to work in 2014 and has ranked as one of Australia's 50 best places to work for 10 consecutive years, along with being named one of the best places uh, to work in Asia. Uh, from 2015 to 2018. Tristan believes we spend a huge part of our lives working, uh, that we have, to, so we have to find a way to enjoy our work. And uh, he's got a book. It's called Culture is Everything The Story and System of a Startup That Became Australia's Best Place to Work. And in the book, he shares his 19 step system for building a great workplace. His approach is simple, centered around four basic pillars, and we'll talk about those. And he loves to share what he's learned uh, on his entrepreneurial journey and does just that. Uh, he's got a podcast called Think Big, Act Small, as well as uh, speaking from the stage. And so I'm so happy to have Tristan uh, be on board with us from Australia today. Tristan, thanks so much for doing this today. 
Tony, you're most welcome. I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you. Great. And as you said, uh, uh, tomorrow is going to be okay. So you're, we're talking to you from tomorrow, right? Correct. It's very early in the morning here the following day. And yes, it has arrived. The sun is coming up, Tony. So all is well. well that's good to know. So let's start out by talking a little bit about your book, Culture is Everything. And in the book, you talk about five beliefs of meaningful work. You want to run us through those? Yeah, absolutely, Tony. Look at the uh, the Culture is Everything book is my learnings of founding a business and growing into a great place to work. And it is based upon these five beliefs of meaningful work. And Tony, they're pretty simple, uh, but, but they really do drive me. And, and what those five beliefs of meaningful work are is number one, is that I believe we spend so much time working that we just have to find a way to enjoy it and to make an important part of our life. Uh, number two, I believe we enjoy work when we're doing something useful for others. Number three, I believe we enjoy work when we feel proud of doing the right thing in a tough or challenging situation. Number four, I believe we, we enjoy work when there are defined boundaries around what, around what we should be doing and we have some freedom around how to do it. I, I call this number four step, the freedom within boundaries, and I think nearly every person enjoys knowing uh, what they can do, what they've got freedom to do, and where the boundaries are so they know what's, um, what needs to be done by when. And the last one, Tony, number five, is that I believe every team, business, or organization can create this freedom within boundaries environment that is the foundation of a really strong culture. And so, Tony, that, those five beliefs of meaningful work that uh, are very important to me and the foundations of, of my philosophy, I guess, uh, they, they really are quite simple, but they are based around the idea that people can do wonderful work and teams can do some amazing things together uh, when there is a culture by design and that is there, that there is real intent to put behind the culture of a team. So when you founded, uh, it's just kind of a curiosity question for me. So when you founded the physio company, uh, did you found it with the thought that I'm going to make this one of the best places to work? Like, was that a conscious on purpose thought or did it sort of come about um, by osmosis? Like you tried a lot of different things and, and as you went, you documented it. Yeah, it's definitely the latter, Tony. I absolutely, I, I absolutely wanted to find a job that I loved and that I could engage with a team that um, that inspired me. But I had, I was a 24 year old, recently graduated physiotherapist or physical therapist, and I was an accidental entrepreneur. I accidental entrepreneur. I absolutely didn't have the intent to study to be um, be obsessed by building a strong team culture I didn't even know what team culture was at that time Tony so it was um, it was absolutely by accident you talk about the four key foundations uh, to building a world-class culture could could you share some of those with our audience like what did you find that were really key points Mm. So, so, Tony, this is absolutely the. So, I'll give you the tiny bit of background, and that is that I've discovered that uh, you can allow a culture in a team to occur by default, uh, which means pretty much you're eternally reacting and firefighting as a leader. There's uh, you're moving from issue to issue, uh, problem to problem, and probably email to email when we allow a culture by default. Uh, or if we really 
intentionally create a culture by design, it results in the time and space that most leaders are seeking to be able to grow their business and uh, have a little bit more control in the, in the way they go about their lives. And that's the, the foundation as to why building a strong culture is important. And then as I've, uh, um, I've grown, I've learned, and I've stuffed plenty of things up, to be honest with you, Tony, made plenty of mistakes. Um, but the summary of where I've got to as to what has worked by having a culture by design is these four steps to building a strong culture. And those four steps are firstly, discover the core. Secondly, document the future. Thirdly, execute relentlessly. And lastly, a step called show more love. Now, Tony, would you like me to go into a bit of detail as to each, uh, each of those steps? Yes, I was going to ask you about the very first one. Like, tell me what you define as the core. For sure. Tony, the Discover the Core is has really got two main po- um, main parts. Firstly, it's 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 the core purpose. It's the the why does the business exist? Simon Sinek might have uh, might describe this as the why of the business. In the early days of growing the Physio Co, Tony, I was. I think mucking around is the right word to use with trying to find a mission statement and a vision statement for our business. And I was just confused. I, I couldn't figure out what they were and what was the right thing to describe. And I didn't even think our business was a real business until it had those things, um, which, which was pretty naive. Uh, but I discovered from Jim Collins uh, in his book, Good to Great, that a core purpose is a really great way to define why a business exists. And so I worked hard at discovering what the core purpose is of our business. I worked with my wife, who was an important part of the founding team, and also with some senior members of our team. And I researched all sorts of other core purposes. And finally, we settled on the core purpose for the PhysioCo as the PhysioCo exists to help seniors stay mobile, safe and happy. It's a physical therapy practice for older people where we go on site to their homes to help them stay mobile, safe and happy. And so the core purpose was discovered and that's a critical part that's now been set for the last 10 years and we've been able to build a team of people who are all committed to this cause or this purpose of helping seniors to stay mobile, safe and happy. So Discover the Core has got a core purpose as a critical part. And the second part, Tony, is, is something also quite simple but not so easy to define and that is three to five core values or behaviours that we expect and, and we share in the team. And so by defining both the core purpose and the core values, we give some real direction and real clarity to our team members as to why we're here and what we're trying to achieve. And secondly, the way we do things. And by setting those boundaries up, by discovering the core, that's a critical part of the core um, of the strong team culture. So a couple of follow-ups on that. Uh, We do recommend to our clients the core purpose for sure. Now, um, can, in your opinion, do you think a mission statement and a core purpose can coexist or um, do you need to choose one or the other? For me, Tony, I, I prefer to choose one or the other. I, I prefer to choose a core purpose as to which may be pretty pretty aligned to the idea of, an, of a mission statement as to as to what what we're about, um, and then in the next part of the of the the system, document the future. That's when we start talking about the vision and the direction as to where we're headed, and so. For me, I prefer a core purpose and then a vision. Uh, I don't necessarily think that we require the mission as well. Um, By the same token, Tony, it's what's important to the leader and what can be communicated clearly to the team because this system is certainly tailorable to uh, to the people involved. And so I'd I'd prefer not to, but by the same token, it can work if that's that's the preference. 
I, I'm with you. I, the way I look at it, I, I believe the core purpose or mission, uh, depending on the CEO's preference, um, is all about the why. And then the vision is all about the where. Uh, the, to me, those, that's how you distinguish those two things. Now, on the core values, how do you reinforce those? How do you make those come alive in your organization? Look, t- Tony, I learned this from um, from Vern Harnish, the uh, author of Scaling Up, and that is to embed them in every part of your business that you possibly can. Uh, and what I mean by that is that we use core values in our recruitment advertising. We re- use them in our recruitment process to assess new cli- um, new team members. We, we use it in onboarding processes. We use it in ongoing reward and recognition programs. We use it an ongoing assessment of performance. We use it in as many places as we possibly can, including sharing stories of people living core values in daily communication, in daily team huddles, in email newsletters, in as many places as we possibly can is the is a simple answer to that one, answer to that one Tony. How do you um, how, how do you integrate new employees like the onboarding process? How does your culture uh, assimilate people into it? Tony, we, we spent a whole heap of time uh, figuring out our onboarding process and, and even uh, 15 years into this business, uh, we, we've got a project happening now to refine that onboarding process. But in short, it goes something like this, and that is there, there is a full day welcome uh, process that happens for new starters, new team members. They come to our to our office, they're welcomed, there's a welcome pack for them, and they're inducted in the morning as an induction into the culture. It's about the past, the present, and the future of the physio co and the people involved. Uh, then we down tools and have a little celebration lunch, a little welcome lunch for the new um, starter to really celebrate them because we're wrapped that they've chosen to join us on our journey at the physio co. Uh, and then in the afternoon of the first day, we go more into the, the specifics of the job that they'll be doing and, and they they meet their team leader and they get started on the tasks they'll be doing in the incoming weeks. And then the remaining um, parts of their first two weeks is really a shadowing and working with other team members, uh, both their team leader and team members, so they get to know where they're going, uh, what they should be doing, where everything in is and it's a really a, a two-week onboarding process which is then followed by an integrated um, so, and supported way into the, their new job which includes regular contact from our people department to uh, to check that things are working well and, it, and it, it ends the onboarding process ends after three months when we have the first of their quarterly and the quarterly is a quarterly review process which uh, which this team leader and the team member sit down and discuss what's worked, what hasn't worked, and where their next what their next goals are going to be. So let's just back up one more step from that. So then uh, when you're going through your hiring process, um, what's your selection process to make sure that you're bringing people in that are going to be a cultural fit? Mm, so th- this is one of the most important steps in building a strong team culture Tony is that we we have to do everything we can to find the right people to firstly attract the right people to apply and and then assess them during the recruitment process and uh, it was Tony Shea from Zappos who described the wrong team members coming into a team culture as polluters and they very quickly pollute the culture if we don't get this right and and so the 
the recruitment process, which is really part of the execute relentlessly part of this uh, four steps to building a strong team culture, because it is critical. You have a process, it is robust, and you do execute it relentlessly over and over again as you uh, assess new team members. Uh, but in short, Tony, the, 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 the process is learnt uh, from the top grading method and the critical parts of top grading in my understanding, in my experience, is that it needs to be a multi-step process and it needs to include multiple people to assess the new starters. And what I mean by multi-step is it needs to include possibly an online application, followed by a phone follow-up, followed by an interview, potentially followed by a site visit and potentially followed by another interview to really get to know a person a bit like a dating process. Uh, if you have a first date, it goes well. Uh, then you want to have spend some more time with the next person. It goes goes well and it may progress. And if you're lucky, you might get engaged to get married, and you maybe even get get a job and uh, and and get married, uh, Tony, in a in a in a work sense. And um, so multi-step is the first part, and multi-person because existing members of the team uh, interpret the purpose and the values of an organization just a little bit differently. And it's important that we make sure that we're assessing people against the purpose, against the values, against the vision as to where we're headed and making sure that there is multiple people assessing and making sure that we're bringing in the right people and avoiding the, that idea of a polluter as much as we possibly can. Yes, yeah, Jeff Smart um, is uh, the pioneer of the top grading process, and I know a lot of people who use that process, and it's certainly uh, certainly really, really effective. Now, tell me a little bit about what are some of the traps or pitfalls that you experienced as you were building this? Uh, in the book, it goes into like a 19-step process, but what were some of the missteps or things to watch out for? Uh, when when someone is uh, working through this method? Look, I think one of the things, uh, to, just to zoom out for a second, Tony, I think one of the, the big mistakes that I made in the early days was to, when I discovered this idea of a, a strong team culture and starting creating a culture by design, I, I really naively used to think, that we could have a, a a team with uh with one big strong team culture and and overarching we do have that and we do have excuse me we do have that linked to the core purpose and the core values and the vision uh however i really forgot or didn't realize that there's so many subcultures within an organization and what I mean by that is in the early days, we used to have these drinks on Friday night. We'd, um, it was called First Round Fridays. Uh, and the first round of drinks after work on Friday night was um, – was I, I used to shout. I used to pay for the first round of drinks, invite everyone to come in and have a drink, and uh, and hopefully we'd have a bit of fun and connect as a team. And we had a team of about 20 people at that stage. Uh, Tony, it was a small team, but only about a handful of people would come to these First Round Fridays. And I was devastated. I'm like, why are people not showing up? Why why they're not connected? Why is it not working? But what I didn't realize, Tony, was Friday night suited some people and Friday night completely didn't suit people that have got families, got kids, got weekend sport, got all sorts of other commitments in their lives. And the subculture of the younger crew who didn't have any, as many commitments were, were up for it. They were ready to have a drink. And, and I was in that category at that, that time. But uh, the subculture of other people with different interests, different beliefs and different commitments was something that was never going to work for that particular initiative or idea. And so one of the really big learnings for me was that you can have a strong team culture which are connected by important things, but never forget there are there are subcultures within your team which we need to understand the individual needs and wants of people in, inside the team. 
Yes, I think that's just, that's very profound uh, because not everything appeals to everyone, right? And so, I mean, depending on who you've got heading up the cultural type initiative, I think that's one thing they have to guard against uh, because you have so many different segments, especially as your company grows, as you get to 100, 150, 200, 500 plus, um, that everything isn't going to work for everyone. I, I just think that's a really strong piece of wisdom. Now, let me ask you this question, because I'm sure this comes up every time I talk to a person or a business leader about culture. And they say, or ask the question, how long does something like this take before you start seeing the positives? Yeah, so look, this this solution of, of creating a culture by design is absolutely a, a, a solution for leaders who feel reactive and feel stuck and feel like they're moving from issue to issue. And I can help them with them, some quick wins as to how they can make some quick progress on their culture, but inevitably it is not a quick solution. In my experience, it takes a good six to 12 months as a minimum to really embed these important systems inside a business before we start to seeing the snowball effect of the right people being completely engaged in the job and therefore becoming advocates and attracting other people because that's the beauty of a strong culture. You have the right people doing the right things and they become advocates, which actually help to attract new business and new, and new team members. But that takes a minimum of six to 12 months in my experience so let me ask you this uh, this question. What are some of the things that you have found to be very effective as far as energizing a team or getting a team highly motivated toward uh, a project or an outcome? I think the important bit is is we've already touched on this in some way, Tony, and that's selection and that is making sure you've got the right people on the team in the first place. And once you've got the selection right and, and you've got given that you're, you're very, very most attention, it's about connection. It's about connection between the leader and the team members. And it's about connection between the team members who are working well. I, I think it's it's all well and good to think that we can work together in an effective and motivated way um, and turn up at, at work and get the job done between nine and five or whatever the hours may be. But I think when there's a really strong connection between the team members, that's when we get a really um, a stronger motivation and a stronger level of inspiration. And, and one way to do that, Tony, is, is in the show more love part of the culture is everything system. And that is that stuff goes wrong in people's lives. We have ups and downs. We have wonderful times when we might graduate from college or buy a new house or get married or, or all those good times. But bad stuff happens too. Um, relatives get unwell. Accidents happen. Um, sadly, divorces and relationships split ups do, do happen. And it's at those times we get a real opportunity to, without prying, but respectfully lean in to be supportive people in our team members' lives. And I think by having having a budget of both time and if appropriate money to send a, um, a bunch of flowers or a small gift to say, Hey, I think I know things are not going great at the moment, but we're here for you. And when the time's right, we'll see you back at work. And, uh, and we're looking forward to working with you when, uh, when, and if you're, um, you've got things sorted out in your, in your personal life. And I think connecting with team members on a deep level like that is the way you get a strong level of connection and a great long-term solution to, to a strong team. 
We were uh, visiting with Tristan White. He is the founder and CEO of the Physio uh, Company. It's a unique healthcare business um, that, of course, we mentioned that he founded and ranked number one on BRW's list of Australia's 50 best places to work uh, and also was ranked uh, 50 best places to work in Australia for 10 years in a row. So he's been sharing with us some valuable insights on how his team was able to make that happen. And um, I want to move on now to our lightning round questions, Tristan. We have 12 questions that are rapid fire that we ask every guest that comes on the show. So are you ready for this? I hope so, Tony. I hope I'm ready. But yes, let's do I it. think you will nail it. I think you're going to knock these out of the park. Okay. Number one question. What is the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Best memory. Uh, the best memory, I think, was very recent, uh, Tony. I, had, I was very, very fortunate to spend a, a couple of weeks in Europe recently, and my wife and three little children were with us, and we hired some bikes in Copenhagen, and the five of us were like uh, five little ducks riding around the, the streets of Copenhagen, and that was a, a whole lot of fun. That's phenomenal. Who's the number one hero in your life? Number one hero in my life are my parents. Uh, my mother is uh, is certainly still with us, and my father sadly passed away some time ago. But um, but they are absolutely the uh, the heroes in my life. What are their names, and what did they do? Uh, my father's name was Roy, uh, and Roy firstly served for the Australian Army in the uh, in the Vietnam War, and in the second part of his career, he worked as a operator on an oil rig in um, uh, down here in Bass Strait, which is off the southeast coast of Australia. And my mum has done all sorts of jobs in her, in her life to support herself and, and our family, but the most significant role she had when I was growing up was the uh, she was a stay-at-home mum and she supported my sister and I to, um, to be the best we could be. What's the top value you subscribe to? The top personal value that I subscribe to is is ownership. And what I mean by ownership is I, I am responsible for owning my own life, my own habits and my own behaviors because by by owning those things then I can have the create the best life that I can do. Um, who's the most important person in your life? Hands down the most important person in my life is my wife, uh, Kimberly. Kimberly is my best friend and cheerleader and supporter and everything that um that i need to uh to get on with doing what i what i do what's your favorite thing in the world favorite thing tony that's uh that's tough uh, I, could, I could possibly cop out here and say it's my phone because it's the thing that spends the most amount of my uh, most of the time with me. Uh, but it's I actually, you know what? Maybe it is something which is on my phone, and that is the photos. The uh, I, I travel quite a lot in as an entrepreneur, and the photos that I have of the places I've been, and also of of my wife and kids and mum and dad when I'm when I'm alone and traveling, and I can uh, I can flick back through those photos. I think that's uh, something pretty special that I that I enjoy. What's your favorite food? Favorite food. Uh, this is is controversial, I reckon, Tony, and not not for many people because uh, because it's a pretty typical food. But my my family will know how controversial this is, and I'm going to say greens. I'm going to say spinach. I'm going to say beans. I'm going to say snow peas. And why that that is because I never used to eat that healthy stuff, Tony, and uh, I've embraced it and I've found a way to enjoy it and make it a healthy part of my life. And and I actually do love it these days. So, uh, So greens is the answer. Most beautiful place you've ever visited. Most beautiful place? Uh, I think I'd have to say 
that the place that Kimberly and I went to for our honeymoon, which was in the Gulf of Thailand, a island called Koh Chang, uh, was certainly a, a, up there. And more recently, I went to a beautiful little island called Treasure Island uh, in Fiji, and both of those places were pretty special. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as someone who did something useful in the world. Uh, I want to be remembered by someone who did something useful in the world and went about it in a kind and caring way. If you could go back and give some advice to a younger Tristan, what would that advice be? The advice would be to learn how to get firmer faster with your communication. And what I mean by that, uh, Tony, is that I'm, I'm a caring physiotherapist or physical therapist by profession, and I'm a cheerleader with all the people in my life, and there's a real place for that but I think there's a whole lot of frustration that I've carried around for a long time by not having the skills to communicate in a firm and clear way when I need to redirect or, or reorient um, someone to, or some something. What's your favorite sound? Favorite sound? Oh, I enjoy spending time on my own Tony so I reckon I might answer with silence. And what's the best lesson you've learned? The best lesson I've learned is to keep learning. The, the pain and, and uh, challenge that comes with a, with a learning is, the, is a beautiful thing and to, um, to embrace it and to, to move forth with that new learning and then look for the next lesson. We've been visiting with Tristan White, uh, author, keynote speaker, founder and CEO of The Physio Company. The book is called Culture is Everything, the story and system of a startup that became Australia's best place to work. And I highly recommend you go out and get yourself a copy. There is a ton of information in here about how you can uh, ignite and uh, service a great culture that will turn around and service you in all kinds of ways in your business. Now, Tristan, you've got a newsletter that you'd like uh, to share with people that they might be interested in subscribing to. And also, how do people find you or contact you? Yeah, thank you, Tony. I, I would really love to. You already mentioned the Think Big, Act Small podcast, which people can find on Apple Podcasts and wherever podcasts live. Uh, but the best place to find me online is tristanwhite.com.au. And at tristanwhite.com.au, you can download the first chapter of that Culture is Everything book for free if you're interested. You can get a Culture is Everything checklist, which is the 19 steps to building a great place to work, which is a really great place to start and audit your own culture. And of course, you can sign up for the Culture is Everything newsletter, which comes out most weekends. which has got stories, tools, and ideas for people to learn how to build a stronger team culture. So tristanwhite.com.au. Well, Tristan, I appreciate you spending the very first part of your morning with us. Uh, you, you shared all kinds of great tips and ideas with our audience, and I really appreciate that. I, uh, I've got some other friends of mine who live in Australia that do some consulting, and so I'm glad to add you to my list of contacts and friends. And um, if there's any way I can ever do anything for you, please let me know. Of course, Tony. Uh, I absolutely will. Uh, great to be connected, and thanks so much for having me on the show. Tristan White, everyone. I'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. We fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester. Over the years, we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us. We always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us. That's why we chose a car we knew would be there for us through it all. Welcome to the all-new 2019 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. 
Test drive one today at University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. Tony Richards here, and I want to talk to you about three power habits for CEOs. And so if you're a CEO, let's just go ahead and say you're pretty successful, right? And even if you're not a CEO, perhaps you want to be one one day, or you at least want to uh, advance from whatever position you're in. I think these three power habits would serve you well. So let's just say you're very successful. You know how to lead others to successful outcomes. You know how to get results. Well, our research shows that leaders who develop sound behaviors and then turn them into daily habits succeed far more often than those who do not. So you, as a very successful CEO or leader, have developed a disciplined process for analyzing situations, producing successful outcomes, uh, maybe crafting a vision, maybe achieving goals and getting the results you want. But here are three habits that I'm going to put forth as a suggestion for you to now go to another level. Number one, you know when not to take an opportunity. You know when not to take an opportunity. In other words, you know which pitches to swing at and you know which ones to let go, right? Let pass by. So you have a clear vision. You know what add value is and you know what will not add value. Clarity of vision allows leaders to adhere to the stated outcomes and values with principles to accomplish it despite temptations that might lead them off the path. Sometimes it helps to, to clear the slate with what the organization is not and what it will not do for reference along the way to success. So I've always heard that whatever it is that you're not going to do, that is the beginning of strategy. And the only the things that are left over are the things that you're going to do. And as you're more successful and as more and more things you touch turns to gold, you start thinking that everything you touch will turn to gold. And you need to remember what are the things that you're not going to do and when not to take an opportunity. Number two, you bring balance to short term and long term. You bring balance to short term and long term. Effective leaders know you cannot chase short-term goals at the expense of long-term outcomes. If you do this, you're going to lose sight of the big picture. You're going to lose sight of the long-term vision. You got short-term things you need to achieve, which everybody has those. They've got benchmarks to the final destination. But you can't afford to lose focus of long-range objectives. When you start chasing short-term rabbits monthly and quarterly, that can destabilize the whole shooting match. The whole organization can get into a really bad place because you didn't balance short-term and long-term. 
Number three, you let go of what you can't control. You let go of what you can't control. You are not a micromanager. What's led to your success so far is being able to keep your eye on the big picture and not focus in and micromanage. It's not how you got to the top of your organization or to the top of your profession. You got there because you know that you need to set a clear direction and empower people to succeed and or fail. You know you need to constantly be a clear communicator on where you're going and why it made sense. But sometimes some things are going to happen that are just out of your control. And for your own health, for your own stability, for your own energy, you need to let go of what you can't control, right? So just to recap. Number one, you know when not to take an opportunity. Number two, you bring balance to short-term and long-term. And number three, you let go of what you can't control. Well, that's our show today. Thanks a lot for listening to Better Than Before. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and Clear Vision DEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that God is the source of all your success and everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.